This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A'udhu billahi s-salamu alayhi wa shaitan alayhi wa bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wal-udwani illa ala dhalimeen. Wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barak ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasimun kathira. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, we want to welcome you back to Quran 30 for 30, alhamdulillah. Uh, alongside uh, Sheikh Abdullah and myself tonight, we have a very dear friend and special guest, uh, Boston's finest. I don't know if you, you, you like that term, uh, Sheikh Yasser, but uh, the best that Boston has to offer, alhamdulillah. Uh, and New Jersey, Boston and New Jersey's finest. Ooh, Just to make ooh, sure we got to respect the New Jersey people. Khalas, <laughs> respect the Jersey connection, alhamdulillah. Uh, we're very honored to have our, our dear beloved Sheikh Yasser Fahmi with us tonight, inshallah ta'ala. And uh, it is the 25th night of Ramadan, so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us what a blessed night for us to reach. And of course, one of the odd nights in the last 10. So I pray that Allah accept your ibadah tonight and always, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to catch Laylatul Qadr wherever it is. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll go ahead and we'll start. And subhanAllah, in just 25, uh, in Surah Al-Shura, uh, there is, and it, it ends, or it starts with the ending of uh, Surah Al-Fusilat, and then after that, we go into Surah Al-Shura. And um, there's a verse that connects very deeply to the subject tonight uh, in Ibad al-Rahman, when we talk about the servants of the Most Merciful. And... Tonight we'll be talking about a healthy fear and what it looks like to, to have people that fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that actively ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove the punishment from them, despite the fact that they are people of plentiful good deeds, people who connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and people that are known for their nobility, they still call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbana nasraf anna adaba jahannam, oh Allah, remove from us. The, uh, the, the punishment of the fire. Verse 7 of the surah uh, is, is a very particular verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends off the ayah. So Allah Azza wa says, وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًا لِتُنْذِرَ أُمَّ الْقُرَىٰ وَمَنْ حَوْلَهَا وَتُنْذِرَ يَوْمَ الْجَمْعِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ فَرِيقٌ فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَفَرِيقٌ فِي السَّعِيرِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and thus did we reveal this Qur'an in Arabic to you that you may warn the people of Mecca and those that dwell around it and warn them of the day of gathering of Yom al-Jam'i concerning which there is no doubt. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, a group in paradise and a group in a blazing fire. Uh, the wife of Umar bin Abdul Aziz, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, her name was Fatima bint Abdul Malik, may Allah have mercy on her. She said that there was one verse that when Umar bin Abdul Aziz would read this verse, and Umar ibn Abdul Aziz used to only pray two rak'ahs of Qiyam al every night, but his two rak'ahs were spectacular in terms of their quality and the deep connection that he, he would have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those two rak'ahs. She said that this verse, if he read this verse, it was, you know, it, it was so uh, impactful. It was, it, it caused him such grief and such fear that I would be afraid that he would die because of how much he would cry when he would read this verse. And it was particularly, subhanAllah, and she used the example. She said, you know, imagine a bird having water thrown on it. She said, I, I thought the ummah would wake up with no khalifa and I would wake up with no husband. And it was all because of the end of this verse, fariqun fil jannah wa fariqun fil sa'ir, a group in paradise and a group in the blazing fire. And so he used to ask him, oh Allah, and which of the two groups am I in? SubhanAllah. So Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, 
who is noted as being, you know, one of Khulafa al-Rashidin, though he is uh, separated in terms of the history or in terms of time period from Khulafa al-Rashidin, from the righteous Khulafa, uh, he is considered to be amongst them because of what he did, the first or one of the first mujaddids of this ummah, uh, revivers of this ummah. And he feared for himself, subhanAllah, when he would read this verse that he was not so sure that he was from we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us all amongst them. Allahumma ameen. Uh, and so that's the first, the first thing that I just wanted us to think about as we're reading through uh, this surah today. Now, one of the things that's interesting about Juz 25 is that just like Juz 24 is all about the angels, uh, or there's a lot about the angels in Juz 24, it's, it's a theme that you find throughout the Juz. In this Juz, the theme is actually the Qur'an. In fact, every single surah in this Qur'an starts off with a verse about the Qur'an. Okay, so we had a stretch of surahs uh, in the beginning of the Qur'an um, around Juz 8-9 uh, where we started to see that. And here, every surah within this Juz starts off with a mention uh, of the Qur'an. So in the beginning of uh, this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كَذَلِكَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ that thus does Allah, the mighty, the most wise, reveal to you, even as he revealed to those messengers who preceded you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-Aziz, al-Hakim, the, uh, the, the, the most praiseworthy, the most wise. Um, Allah just says in verse 51, so he starts to address certain objections that people have of the Qur'an, while also mentioning certain virtues of the Qur'an. So in verse 51, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the argument that you've been seeing play out, you know, particularly between just 21 and 23, uh, this criticism of the Prophet ﷺ, why don't the angels just come down and speak to us? Why don't we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why doesn't God himself speak to us? All of the objections that they're bringing uh, about the, the Prophet ﷺ calling into question the idea that he has been chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be the messenger to mankind why you and how come you know, you're not able to produce this, 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 and that. And so Allah addresses the challenge um, you know, that, that it is not uh, befitting uh, to any human being that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and yukallimahu Allahu illa wahyan aw min wara'i hijab that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should speak to him except through revelation or from behind a veil or that a messenger being, here being an angel uh, sent to him that reveals to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission whatever he wills, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Ali and Hakim, Allah is all high and most wise. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And thus we have sent from you, we have revealed to you, O Prophet of Allah, a spirit by our command. And so just like every prophet had an angel that came to them, uh, and, and uh, Allah revealed to them in the same way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing to you uh, through a spirit by our command. And this is probably, you know, one of the most beautiful uh, about the Qur'an because it speaks to the Prophet Sallallahu receiving the Qur'an. And this is verse 52, the end of the surah. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, That uh, you did not know, you knew neither what the book nor the faith was. You did not know that this was going to happen to you, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ did not know that he would one day have this great uh, message bestowed upon him and he would be raised to this rank, alayhi salatu wasalam. He was looking, he was in search, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
says, and we made that spirit a light by, whereby we guide those of our servants whom we please to the right way. So this light that Allah chose you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa to be the carrier of, we have made it as such that that light will guide uh, whom we please amongst our servants. And surely, uh, you know, affirming to the Prophet sallallahu reassuring the Prophet sallallahu you are directing people to the right way. You are directing people to the right way. Do not let the questioning of these people cause you to have any self-doubt about who you are, Ya Muhammad, about who you are uh, in, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and about the integrity of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the message that was bestowed upon him. The next surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again, Hamim uh, al-Kitab al-Mubin, inna ja'alnahu Qur'anan arabiyan na'allakum ta'qilun that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by the book. Allah swears by the clear book, subhanAllah. So in the end of uh, the previous surah, Allah Azza wa is reassuring the Prophet وسلم, confirming once again who he is and the means by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him and by extension guides us. And that this Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the author of this Quran. And so here Allah actually swears by the Quran. And Allah swears by it as the clear book, meaning there is no ambiguity in regards to this book, not in the message itself, nor in the integrity and the confirmation and the authority of the Messenger Verily, we have made it an Arabic Quran. Once again, clear language that you may understand. Um, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, hakim. Indeed, it is transcribed in the original book with us, exalted and full of wisdom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells us the real reason why these people were questioning the Prophet It was not that they were questioning the Prophet because they, uh, you know, because they really doubted the Quran. Okay, so verse 31, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالُوا لَوْ لَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ They say, why was this Quran not set down upon some great men from the two cities? <clears throat> and so what they mean by that is that why you? So it wasn't about the message. It wasn't about the messenger. It was about us not being chosen to be from the messengers, which speaks to their real intention. When they mocked the Prophet wasallam, they said, why did this not come upon people like Walid ibn Mughira or Utbah ibn Rabi'ah? Uh, the nobles of uh, like Urwa bin Mas'ud, the, the, the people that were the elites of Mecca and Ta'if. So these are the Qariyatayn that are being referred to here. Why you, O Muhammad Sallallahu It should have been one of us. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says, Do they get to distribute the mercy of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala? It is Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala who distributes our livelihood amongst us in this world. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala who raises in rank as he chooses. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is up to him. It is he who decrees it as he sees fit, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it answers the clear objection, the real reason why they were objecting to the Prophet sallallahu and his prophethood. Finally, the next surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, once again, Hamim wal kitab al-mubin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by the clear book once again. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, inna anza. Indeed, we warned by it. And every uh, matter 
is decreed precisely on that night of Laylatul Qadr. So SubhanAllah, uh, to conclude, as I uh, hand it over uh, from Surah Al-Dukhan to Sheikh Abdullah, um, the fact that they were complaining that why was the Qur'an decreed, which is the greatest blessing, right, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed, why did Allah choose you, O Muhammad sallallahu and rejecting the Qur'an because they were displeased with the decree of Allah, and then here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the Qur'an was revealed on this blessed night, Laylatul Qadr, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to observe it, and that is the night in which all prayers are decreed on an annual basis. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make us amongst those that have only the best decreed for them. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those that are recipients of his mercy in, in this blessed night and his forgiveness and his pleasure. Allahumma ameen. And inshallah ta'ala with that, I'll go ahead and I'll pass it off to Shaykh Abdullah. Bismillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. The chapter in which I wish to speak about, inshallah, on this 25th juice is um, the chapter of Zukhruf. Uh, the chapter of Zukhruf, Zukhruf actually means ornaments, and as some have mentioned, golden ornaments. And I'm actually going to cite the verse in which that word is mentioned. And it was in the verse that... Uh, it comes right after the verse that Sheikh Omar alluded to that he mentioned, uh, verse number 31, all the way to roughly uh, verse number 35, inshallah ta'ala. So just as he said, you know, this was a statement of the Quraysh, the Meccans, the people that disbelieved in the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, the people that disbelieved in a monotheistic practice and worshiping God by himself and recognizing his his greatness, well, they recognize his greatness, but did they have the appropriate response to that knowledge? And that's what's mostly important here, which makes the difference between him and, uh, you know, the Muslims and the, and the people that did not believe at that time. And in general, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after And they said, being the Quraysh, and they said, what, you know, only if this Quran was revealed upon a man from either one of the two, and these two Qariyatayn is, as he mentioned, either Mecca or Ta'if, being that it was, uh, you know, Walid ibn Mughira or Mas'ud ibn Uram Mas'ud, these two individuals, that they, it was revealed upon these two individuals because they had stature, they had respect, they had honor. They were, they were diplomats and they were well known. And it's subhanAllah, it's interesting here because you know Islam always takes into consideration the poor and destitute. Islam always looks at humility, the actions of the heart before anything else, before any ornament or anything that is superficial or anything that is apparent. Those that believe in the unseen. And that was is what we talked about in the first lesson. It's important to value the inner connection that one has with their maker. That's what is valued. What the relationship, their heart, what their heart carries and what is exemplified through their actions is what Islam, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala values the most. So that may mean that you may not be well known amongst the people. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are someone that is beloved. You may not be mentioned amongst the people. You may not be popular and everything of that nature. 
but you are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you are alone, Allah loves you. And that's what's so beautiful here because the Quraysh, they saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he is someone that's trustworthy and he is honest. But when it came to him receiving the message of how to change our life, slow down, slow down. That's a little too much. So that's what's so beautiful here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him this magnificent message because of his humility and his honor and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses whom he wills. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does a refutation against that question that they had. And some scholars mention, as Zuhayl rahimahullah mentions that, you know, there's three uh, refutations that he has here. First refutation, a rebuttal, was verse number 32. Are they the ones that distribute? So Allah is asking a rhetorical question. Basically, if you have the right to ask that question, let me ask this question. Do they distribute rahmat rabbika? Are they the ones that distribute the mercy of your Lord? We are the ones who have appointed amongst them the livelihood and the life of this world and have raised some amongst them above others in degrees. So the first rebuttal was, do they have the right to distribute the mercy? Rahmat rabbika? We are the ones that distribute the mercy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanAllah, you will find that he will always turn it back to his authority. And he will always remind you of who he is and his names and attributes and what they mean in the life of the human being. As soon as you question the authority of what God has chosen, he always brings it back to proper perspective. And that is something that's important for the Muslim when they want to see and remind themselves how to actualize Islam, we can say within their lives, but within your heart. How should your heart Exemplify that connection with God. When you ask, why this person? If Allah has chosen that person and you see the character and what they're calling to, subhanAllah, I remember when I was hearing about Islam, the first of my questions being from the West was like, okay, what does Muhammad want, right? Okay, I believe in the oneness of God and all that, but this Muhammad, what does he want from me? And that was what was so intriguing to me. is like, he doesn't want anything from you except for you to worship God by himself. That is why he was sent which made me more inquisitive and eventually to become Muslim. So here we're seeing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first questions that we are the ones, do they, are they the ones that have the authority to distribute the mercy? And I want you to notice how he says, We are the ones here that distribute uh, uh, the to whom that their livelihood in this life. And we have, uh, raise some of them above others in degrees. That's the second rebuttal. So the first thing is that a rhetorical question that do they think they have the right to distribute this mercy amongst one another? We are the ones that give some people virtues over others. We are the ones that have that clear authority. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on to say in verse number 32, and this is beautiful here. It's important for you to remember for those of you that may be trying to pack, practice your faith and try to trying to exemplify your love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your practice of your faith, and you may have some people, you may have some friends that may make fun of you or belittle you because you're trying to be someone that prays five times a day. I remember there's a friend of mine, you may be watching, I remember he always talks about, you know, one time they were <laughs> they were watching the, I think it was a football game, the Super Bowl, and he said, you know, I got to get up and pray, man. And his friend's like, what? You're going to go pray? We're watching the game. And they always made fun of him because he left the game to go and pray. Don't ever feel that you 
are, are lesser of a person or belittled when you're doing something that you know is right. Do not let the ones that are of creation make you feel that you are doing something wrong when you're turning towards your creator or you're doing an action that shows gratitude to your creator. And that's what's so beautiful about these verses because Allah is telling you, let your mind and your heart transcend the dunya. And that's where he goes on to say here in the next verse, or at the end of this verse, the mercy of Allah is greater than what they gather. You memorize the Quran and people may look down upon you because you don't have a degree. Do not ever belittle the fact that you are someone that's doing an action that is beloved to Allah and people that may have something more of you, more than you. And this dunya, they look down upon you because you don't have it. But you have, you have something that is much greater. The implementation of your love of God and your devotion to him initially from your heart. That's why it says, it's better than what these people gather. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on to say, and if there were not of a, of a people that would, that would become one community of people that disbelieved, we would have made for those who disbelieve in the most merciful for their houses, ceilings and stairways of silver upon which to mount. Okay. And then he says, and for their houses, and for their houses, doors and couches. Couches, or we could say beds, and yet is like to lean. It's like it's so lavish. You're leaning, you're chilling. You just, you just lean in there, right? And then Allah says, and that's the beginning of verse number 35. Zukhrufa is the golden ornaments here. So he's saying, if we will, we would make everyone on this earth people that said, we don't believe in a God. We, we don't believe that there is someone that deserves to be worshipped by himself. He could have easily made that. If he would have made that, he would have blessed all of them with stairways, with ceilings, all made of silver. Can you imagine? Literally, they're getting their shine on. Everything is shining. And that's why some scholars say silver, because it is shiny and it is attractive to the eye. It mesmerizes you. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَزُخْرُفَ And then he says, وَإِن كُلُ ذَلِكَ لَمَّا مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ And he ends here, in زُخْرُف, he's saying, even with that, we would give them golden ornaments. وَإِن كُلُ ذَلِكَ And all of that which you just heard, all of that which you naturally desire is مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا It is an enjoyment of this life. And then he makes the comparison, and the akhirah with your Lord is greater for the muttaqeen. For the muttaqeen, that is much greater for them. So realize, brothers and sisters, the name of this chapter is just reminding you, subhanAllah, do not be mesmerized by the dunya and don't let that distract you from what is more important. And then conclude, you know, when subhanAllah, there was a time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi when many of us may know the hadith where the Prophet was lying on a mat and when he stood up from the mat, he had the athar, he had the elements or signs of the mat on his side. And Ibn Mas'ud came and said, Ya Rasulullah, He said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, if we were to take for you a pillow or something of this nature, he said, Mali walid dunya. He said, What is for me in this life? Verily, I am com a comparison to this life. I'm like a rider that is in this life that takes the shade of a tree gets his shade of the tree, gets up, and then proceeds on. Remember that this dunya literally comes from that which is low. We should not cherish it to the degree to where it compromises our character, 
by belittling others that show and exemplify their love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah make us of those that value the next life more than we value this life and use this life as a means to come closer to the owner of the next life. Jazakum Allah khairan. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with all of you this evening. Inshallah, I'll try to keep my uh, remarks uh, slightly shorter. Um, uh, what's inspiring me this evening when it comes to the 25th juz is really a statement by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud when... <clears throat> In reference to the Hawamim, these verses, these chapters that we're in right now in the 25th juz of the Qur'an that start in really the 24th and end in the 26th, there are seven surah. They are called Alu Hamim or the Hawamim, the family of Hamims. Seven chapters that have the same code at the top, which is Hamim and encompass pretty much all the same meanings in various ways. And he says something that was very beautiful that touched me and it really struck me in a way that hopefully inshallah will uh, be of use to everyone. He says, If you find yourself walking through the Quran and you stumble upon the family of Hamim, then certainly you have found yourself in gardens, beautiful, endless gardens, blissful gardens. I myself find all of my pleasure my joy, my relaxation, my relief in these gardens. You know, when we hear things like this, very often, you know, we kind of just make a note of it. Okay, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said with regards to the seven surah of the Hamim, that it's like going through their gardens. Okay, next. But, you know, what stopped, what, what made me pause here was, you know, for someone like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud to say that is actually pretty profound. Because who is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud? He was... Uh, he's one of the first who have entered into Islam. He is Sahibul uh, Hijratain. He's one of those who made the two Hijras to Habasha, to Abyssinia, and to Medina. He was Sahibul Na'alain Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He would carry the slippers of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Prophet one time, Hidna Abdullah ibn was climbing a tree and the companions kind of snickered at the, the fact that he had thin legs. And they said, What are you laughing? He said, What are you guys laughing at? They were laughing at the fact that, you know, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud has these thin legs. He says, don't laugh, for verily his legs are afqalu min Uhud. They are weightier than the, than the mount, mountain of Uhud. And perhaps one of the greatest badges of honor of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is that he was awwalu man jahara bi kitabillahi fi Mecca. He was the first to come out openly and recite the Qur'an in Mecca. And that was a very brave very spirited act. This is someone who loved the Prophet, who loved this path, and he came out, and certainly he was received with a pretty bad bruising. So one of the features of these seven surah is that the consensus of scholarship is that all seven of the Hawamim were revealed in Mecca in terms of the entirety of the surah, and they were revealed sequentially, right? From Ghafir to Al-Ahqaf. And and it's perhaps the case, wallahu alam, that this was revealed in the latter part of the uh, latter part of the Meccan period, roughly two three years before the Hijrah. So, if you put yourself in Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud's shoes, he is someone who is witnessing all of this trauma, 
this pain, this difficulty, the attacks on this community in an open air prison, realistically, right? He's going through it all. He's been through the ups and the downs. He's watching as the, the, the mushrikeen are doing what they're doing. He's trying to, you know, negotiate this whole reality of this new way of life that the Prophet Muhammad has introduced. And then these seven chapters of the Quran come down and he describes them as gardens. And, and, and that really struck me. So I started to read these suar as if I'm walking through a garden. You know, here in Boston, nearby where I live, we have something called the Arnold Arboretum. It's 260 acres of a natural reserve and it's managed by Harvard. And they say that they've brought, you know, trees from all across the world so many different species. And it's truly an amazing thing. You go into one alleyway, one ravine, one space, one place, one pathway, and you see trees that are really remarkable, intertwined, different types of bark, different types of, uh, you know, leaves, etc. It's really a beautiful thing. And everywhere you go, you're looking at trees, but you're looking at different things, different scents, different sights, different scenes, and they all inspire you profoundly. So you can imagine Sayyiduna Abdullah ibn Mas'ud walking through the Hawamim as he's reading about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about Sanurihim ayatina fil afaq, the end of Surah Fussilat, that certainly we are going to show them our signs in the horizons, wa fi anfusihim and in themselves, hatta yatabayna lahum annahul haq, until this is truly proven to them that this is the truth, that this is clearly clarified. This is Qur'an Mubin, as Sheikh Omar spoke about. This is a clear Qur'an, and this is a clarifying Qur'an. شهيد, is it not sufficient for your Lord that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala witnesses all things? So what does that do to someone like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud? What kind of inspiration? What kind of, you know, if he's in an open-air prison, and Allah is now talking about his signs and manifesting his signs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving Sayyiduna Abdullah ibn Mas'ud access into the nations that have passed, giving them the story, the historical insight of what happened to Ad and Thamud, being able to read these stories, analyze what happened to them, why what happened to them. That's a beautiful garden to live in right there. Then juxtapose with the stories of Musa and Isa and Ibrahim and Ismail, you know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alayhi salam ajma'in, and to be living in their world and to realize, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that this is not something new. That this sharia, this new way that has come. You know, this, this what has come upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is what we, what we advised uh, Nuh with. And then this, And this is what we told Ibrahim, Musa, and Isa, establish this religion. And so what does that do to his heart and his spirit? This is him knowing that he is a part of a transgenerational, divine, divinely oriented, revelatory reality that is now going to shift and change their entire existence. And they, and he is a part of this because one of the things that the Mufassirun say about the Hawamim is that this is a form of tamheed. It's a preparatory uh, succession of, 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 of chapters to prepare the hearts and the souls of the companions to say, you are now the carriers of this message. Look at Musa and Banu Israel, look alayhi salam, look at that story, look at that reality. Now you are the carriers of this message. So prepare yourself. Because after the Hawamim, it's Surah Muhammad. Surah Muhammad, when, when you get into it with Sheikh Abdullah and Sheikh Omar is a very intense surah. And then you have after that, Al-Fatih, the opening. So this is a preparatory phase 
to soften the hearts, to theologically orient, to spiritually nourish, to give historical insights, to also give assessments of the pathways and the different ways of being, the, the end result of those who believe and the end result of those who disbelieve. So they truly are gardens. Brothers and sisters, you know, I'll close with this, inshallah. I want us to all deeply appreciate the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it comes to our revelation, when it comes to this beautiful deen, that Allah talks to us in the language of signs. Signs are very beautiful. Signs in the Islamic tradition are everything, by the way. When Allah commanded the Prophet ﷺ to read, it was qira'atun, as Imam al-Ghazali says, is to observe and read and analyze the signs that are seen and analyze and read the signs that are revealed. If you're on a highway and your gas light turns on, you have to fill up gas now. What do you start to look for? You start to look for that little, I mean, at least this is very contextualized to American roadways. So I don't know about the international community, but at least in the U.S., you start to look for that little blue thing, you know, that little blue blob that has a squiggly line of a gas tank. And when you see it, and it says gas half mile or a quarter mile, what happens to your heart? You're looking for the sign. You see the sign. It immediately induces <clears throat> a sense of relief, a sense of clarity, a sense of ease, and a sense of certainty, meaning that, okay, in a half mile, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to fill the tank. I'm going to get to put my two kids in the bathroom who've been crying to use the bathroom. I don't want them to soil themselves. We're going to get some snacks. It creates an emotional and psychological and spiritual disposition that is very profound. These signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to us and the ones that he's always talking about to us to observe should precisely induce that within us. You know, why is it that the Prophet Sallallahu that one night when Bilal came and awakened him for, to take permission to make Adhan of Fajr, and he saw the Prophet Sallallahu crying profusely. He said, Ya Rasulullah, ma yubkik, what makes you cry this way? He said, Kayfa la abki wa qad unzila alayya al-layla inna fi khalqi al-samawati wal-ardi wa akhtilaf al-layli wal-nahar la ayatin li uli al-albab. That verily in the creation, how am I not to cry when tonight was revealed upon me this beautiful verse, this beautiful sign that verily in the creation of the heavens and the earth and alternation of the night and day are signs for the people who have their innermost hearts. So brothers and sisters, I want all of us to learn to read these signs exactly like you're going through a garden. Be mesmerized by them, internalize them, find clarity within them find relief in them, just like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud did. Get that context that you finally need. Get that perspective that you finally need. Get that sense of certainty that you finally need. But see, there's one thing here about signs that we have to be very careful about. If I'm on the highway and I don't know to look for which sign, my car is going to break down. And the cop is going to come to me and say, what happened? Didn't you see the sign? Like, what sign? Where was the sign? What, you're talking about that blue blob thing? I don't know what that is. Ah, So we have to use our minds. We have to use our hearts. We have to awaken our faculties. We have to observe. So we have to be proactive. We have to do nadar. We have to observe intently. And we have to be careful not to render our faculties null and void because Allah says, and I'll close with this, inshallah, 
in Surah Al-Jathiyah. Have you not seen those who take as their high Lord their desires? And Allah misguided them. And Allah led them astray. In the face of knowledge. They had the knowledge. It was right there. The signs were right there. Crying at them, you know. Come here, come here, come here. And I just went that way. And Allah subhanahu wa seals their ears and their hearts. And there's this covering over their eyes. And that, brothers and sisters, is what we have to be very careful about. Allah has blessed us with signs, but he's also blessed us with the spiritual apparatus to observe the signs. If we become too self-indulgent, too self-absorbed, that everything is about me, 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 my wants, my feelings, my desires, my fears, my anxieties, me, me, me. The signs are right there calling out to me for, to exit, but I just don't see it. So brothers and sisters, inshallah ta'ala, as we're reading these Quran, our Quran and we're reading these ayat, let's open up our hearts and our minds to these signs. Let's find the certainty in these signs. You know, what is known as, you know, the, the bardul yaqeen, the coolness of certainty. The dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahum maqsim lana min khashyatika ma tahulu baynana wa bayna ma'asiyatik wa min ta'atika ma tuballighuna bihi jannatik wa min al ma tuhawinu alayna Ya Allah, grant us certainty that will make easy for us the realities of this dunya. The secret of that certainty and that relief and that clarity, wallahi, are in the signs of Allah. And the signs of Allah are everywhere. And everything there is a sign that indicates Allah is one. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to see the signs to love the signs, to find the beauty in these signs, to find the relief in these signs. May Allah help us to be a people of the signs. Bi-idhnillahi wa fadlihi. Jazakumullah khair. Wa sallillahum ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa akhiru da'wana. An alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakumullah khairan. Al-Habib Shaykh Yasser for the beautiful reflections. We appreciate you joining us tonight. We appreciate the Yaqeen plug at the end too. Uh, Allah! That was, really nice was completely unintended. <laughs> it's sure it was. You know? but that's what they call a Freudian slip. It came from within. Yani, something. We'll, take, we'll take those slips any day, man. Any day. May Allah bless all of you. Bless the whole Yaqeen team. Please keep your heart in these last time, inshallah. May Allah accept all of us in his mercy and allow us to see the signs and to apply in the best way. Jazakumullah khairan. See you all tonight. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.